birth plans get a bad rap these days. I hear things like birth is unpredictable, so planning is pointless, and I'm just going to go with the flow, so I don't need a plan, or the length of the birth plan equals the length of the C-section scar, and so much more than that. I am excited to bring Jamie Zaki on the show to talk to you about the different ways you can plan and how a birth roadmap may be a better approach when it comes to birth. Jamie is a mom of three, Air Force wife, and nurse turned doula IBCLC. She owns Little Bear Services, where she helps mama bears birth and breastfeed with confidence. She has so much great insight when it comes to birth planning, and this episode is a must, no matter where you are planning on birthing. I cannot wait to share this with you, so let's get into the show. I think you're going to feel empowered. This is a different kind of podcast. I'm a different kind of nurse and a different kind of doula. Hey there, my name is Alan McLean and I wanna welcome you to the Empowered Birth Podcast. My mission here is to encourage you to strive for the best birth experience possible. Knowing full well birth is unpredictable, but also knowing that you are powerful and you are able to make the best decisions for you. You're going to get information you won't hear in your basic childbirth education class, as well as stories of women and birth professionals who are stepping into their power and birthing their way. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your journey from pregnancy to postpartum. This podcast is for the woman who is wanting a natural childbirth, but feeling unsure in her ability to. She doesn't know her options and she's feeling overwhelmed, looking for a guide. Is this you? Then stick around. You're exactly where you should be. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm super excited to bring you on, hear your story, and chat more about birth planning. This is a subject that is very popular to talk about among many women, no matter what type of birth they're planning on. So I think this is going to be a great conversation. I'm just excited to hear your take on birth plans and how you can help other people plan for their blissful birth. So would you just start out and share with us who you are and how you came to be where you are today? Thanks, Allie. I'm so glad you have me here and I'm excited to talk about this topic because I think it is a bit of a controversial one. And I understand why, but I kind of don't understand why. (laughs) So I am a birth doula, a lactation consultant, and a birth photographer. And I kind of got here by going through my own interesting birth story. As you might know, I was a nurse before having children. So I kind of had that medical background, medical way of thinking and everything. And then when I experienced my first birth and postpartum, experience. It was pretty traumatic. And I realized firsthand how many gaps there are in the maternal care system and specifically how the medical model of care doesn't really support birth the way community used to support birth and the way that women and families deserve to be supported. So 
after kind of having a few very different birth experiences, I had a C-section, a hospital medicated VBAC, and then a home unmedicated VBAC. I kind of felt like I was prepared to help other women have more positive birth experiences and find ways to make their story, whatever that looks like, be something that they're happy about and something where they felt empowered. Yeah, I love that. Our stories are very, very similar. So it's really, it's always good to talk to other women who, you know, have kind of ended up serving women because of a previous traumatic delivery. And, you know, our background as nurses kind of does help us see through different lenses, right, when it comes to birth. It does. And it's funny because my husband is always like, you are not the person I married. And not in a bad way, but yes. like, like, it's been such a transformative experience. And I never expected birth to completely transform my entire life the way that it did. But I think, I think that's why God puts us in these situations because it opens doors for us and makes us realize that there's different ways that we can serve people and it's not always going to look the way we thought it was going to. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, part of the reason I do have this podcast is because I want women to come on and share their stories of how it's not just a physical process that they went through to have a baby at the end. It was transformative and it was life changing and it was healing many times. And it is a spiritual, emotional, and physical experience that is unmatched by anything else we could ever experience in our life. So I love hearing that story and just imagine women listening, if you could experience something so spiritually transformative, such as birth in the way that I was designed to be experienced, your life will be changed forever. You just cannot help that. Um, No matter how your birth turns out, you will be affected in one way or the other. So I'm really excited to dive deep into birth plans because they they do matter, but I'm excited to hear your kind of your take and how you help women navigate how to form a birth plan, what that looks like. So do you want to just go into that? Yeah, I'd love to. So I think there's a lot of controversy around birth plans. Um, there's a lot of pushback from the medical community and there's like really disgusting sayings like the longer the birth plan, the longer the C-section scar and just like really terrible things like that. And I think they're so stigmatized because people don't have a concept of, when we use the word plan, they don't have the concept that it can be a flexible plan and that there's different ways that we make plans. And planning is important. I use the analogy of a wedding plan. When we make a wedding plan, it's very regimented. At this time, this person will be here doing this. And if they're not, all hell's going to break loose. And so I think people kind of look at a birth plan as the same expectation. And that's not it at all. (laughs) Like, I look at a birth plan more like travel plans. (laughs) And so that's why I call it a roadmap. But so when we're making plans to go on a trip, we have this journey laid out. And we have this destination that we're like excited to get to. And when we map out the route, we want to map out the most direct, easy route that also has the experiences we want to see. You don't want to go on a road trip and just go straight to that place. You want to stop, 
places along the way, like there's certain experiences you want to have, right? But sometimes that route that you mapped out, you might not realize like, oh crap, this time of year, this road always floods or there's an accident and we need to detour. And so what happens when you're in a new state and you get detoured and you're like, oh crap, I don't know where I'm at. I'm like detouring. My GPS isn't reading where I'm at. It's just saying reroute, trying to put me back on that route. And you're just trying to navigate these roads. You have no idea. How do you prevent that? You map out alternate routes before you ever leave, right? Yeah. Map out alternate routes before you ever leave. So that's what I think of when I think of a birth plan is we have this destination of a healthy mom and a healthy baby, healthy, not equaling alive, but mentally and physically healthy. And then Aiden, you've got to stop banging on the door. So we make a plan for how we get there. And for every person, that plan is going to look different. Everybody's going to have different things they want to experience. Some people want to experience absolutely no interventions. Other people want to experience an, a medicated labor. Uh, some people want to experience a C-section. Like people are going to have their plans. And to be honest, the biggest lie that I hear mothers tell themselves is that they don't have a birth plan and they don't want a birth plan. Because too often I hear, I don't have a birth plan. I'm just going to go in and go with the flow. And like, darling, that is a birth plan. It might not be a detailed one, but it's a plan. You're planning to just go with the flow. Yeah. So, I mean, just like realize the plan is not a dirty word. Birth plan is not a dirty word. You just have to learn how to make it work for you and make it work for your support team. I love, I love that you say that because I, that was me. My very first time I was like, I'm just going to go with the flow and having medical background. I'm like, well, that's their job. They're supposed to take care of me. Right. That, you know, they're supposed to know what to do in certain situations. They have a plan. So my plan is just to plan on them planning for me. Right. So it, it was still a plan and it led to a place that I didn't want to go. I didn't want to have that happen, but that's what happens when you move aside and you let someone else get in the driver's seat, right? So that, I mean, going back to that travel analogy, we're just, we're putting women back in the driver's seat of their birth experience. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. So I tell people the very first thing when you're writing a birth plan, the first thing you're going to do at the top of your birth plan is write like who your doctor is, right? And who's your partner and who's your doula? Like you put your support team at the top of your birth plan. Why do you put that at the top of your birth plan? Because that's the most important part of your birth plan. The most important part of your birth plan is having a support team that you're on the same page as. And too often I hear women saying that, oh, well, I don't think my doctor's really on board with my birth plan, but I've been seeing him for the last 10 years and I can't go see anybody else. Or he delivered all my mom's babies and all my sister's babies. So he has to deliver my babies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, he doesn't. And if you have certain goals, your co-pilot is kind of important. <laughs> like whoever's with you on that journey is really important. Whenever we watch movies and there's like a bunch of friends going on a road trip together. There's always like one person who's not on the same page as everybody else that like ruins everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> Usually my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's not your doctor because that's the person you're supposed to trust. So if they're the ones kind of just like 
I'm trying to take over the entire trip instead of working as a team with you. That's a problem. And you know this as well as I do. In nursing school, one of the things we're taught is patient-centered care. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that isn't happening as often as it should in the birthplace. So the most important part of your birth plan, I'm going to say, is find somebody who is going to respect that patient-centered care model, mm-hmm. first and foremost. The rest of your birth plan doesn't matter if you don't have someone who's not going to respect it. <laughs> right. That is so good. And it's interesting, too, when you ask, it's kind of a good question to ask, um, what do you think about doulas? Because that will tell you a lot of what your your provider thinks about your decision making. Oh, for sure. So I actually, with my first son, I decided to hire Dula at like 34 weeks. Like I totally like, like the light bulb came on kind of at 34 weeks, but I didn't have enough information for the entire light bulb to come on. Yeah. <laughs> Funny um, half lit. <laughs> yeah. So I was, we were in a small town in South Carolina. There's like only two practices there. One has midwives, the other doesn't. And so I was at the one that didn't have midwives and it had like all, like mostly male doctors. I think there was one or two female doctors and not that that really matters in the grand scheme, but it was the very like old school South kind of attitude toward everything. Mm-hmm. So the um, male doctors that I asked, cause they were the only ones that I really saw about a doula were very much like, uh, yeah, sure. I don't know. Like, and it was just like, like that? <laughs> they were kind of like, eh. And then they would say things like, when I would talk about my birth plan, they would say things like, well, you know, my, like when my wife was pregnant, I wish I could have just given her an epidural at 35 weeks and let her live the rest oh of her pregnancy. Gosh. And I'm like, what? No. Like, what? what is wrong with you? Ugh. But when I would talk to the female doctors about doulas, it was very much, well, it depends on who the doula is, mm-hmm. whether they want you to have a doula. And I'm like, what? <laughs> why do you not like certain doulas? It was like, like that female cattiness. Like, yeah. And I'm like, there's some type of power struggle here. And that was kind of like a click for me that was like, why are there certain doulas that they're okay with and certain ones they're not? Is it because certain ones support their agenda Mm -hmm. and certain ones support mothers having their own voice? And I later found out that like, yes, that was the problem. I actually switched practices. I switched to the midwife practice at 34 weeks. And their approach was like so much better. I'm like, how do you feel about doulas? And they're like, yes, yes, we love doulas. Like everything was just positive. And it was like, wow. That's the difference between community-centered, women-centered care. And a lot of times, you know, the medical OB-centered care. And you can find good OBs out there who, I mean, in our area, there are many OBs that are very supportive and love to have doulas and they're very respectful and I've had amazing interactions with them but as a whole if you want to group people you know that is something where it's good to be aware of that there are different models of care and so depending on the outcome you want for your birth depending on the type of care and communication that you are desiring should maybe change who your provider is. Cause like you were saying, it is one of the most important parts is having that support team who 
knows you and is confident that whatever you are hoping to get out of your birth experience that you will get. So, um, well, and I think it's also important to make the distinction that like, just because we say medical model and like midwifery model or whatever, that doesn't like, there are OBs that operate like midwives and there are midwives that operate like the stereotypical OB. So hundred percent. Don't just look at somebody's title and assume that they're going to give you a good or a bad experience. You have to really do your due diligence in interviewing them and getting like reviews on them and everything because at the end of the day, like your title really doesn't matter. It's how you provide care. And I will say like, even though my first birth experience was very traumatic, the OB that one of the OBs that I worked with for my C-section was the OB who oversaw my VBAC and she was fantastic. Even with my C-section, like during prep, she was like, we're going to make sure you have a VBAC next time. Like it was, she was like, she was there for it. She was a VBAC mom. So she was like there for it. But there was unfortunately another OB on like the assisting OB was and no bedside manner and just the nurses and just the way the hospital was run is just like what ended up causing everything to spiral into something more traumatic than it needed to be. So like, I don't ever want anyone to think that I'm bashing. (laughs) No, it is good. And it's good to, again, it's a self-responsibility type thing where you can't just look at the title. You have to take the responsibility of interviewing people, not just going with like you were saying, the one your mom had or your best friend, which is what I did. Uh, my best friend had this OB. So I'm like, well, I think, why wouldn't I? And we need to get comfortable with interviewing people again, because you hire them, they work for you. And that means that anytime you don't like what they're doing or what they're saying, you can change. Like that's not abnormal. You can, it's just so hard the way the system works to even be able to do that. Because I know like when I have called to be like, Oh, I'd love to set up like a consult with this doctor. They're like, well, no, you need to just do a whole appointment, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can we just have a phone conversation? And they're like, they're too busy for that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a red flag that, mm-hmm. okay, we can't go there. Right. <laughs> it's so hard to even get those interviews that I think people just kind of are like, well, I'm not even going to bother. And it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta do it. Yeah. Cause there are, there are OBs out there. If that's the type of care you're wanting, there are OBs out there who will sit down for an interview. But I know that there's probably way more midwives out there who would do an interview with you. And so what, I guess what are some questions you could ask an OB or a midwife to know if they are more patient centered or yeah. woman centered? I mean, oh, that is a good question. I feel like just kind of talking to them about what your vision is for your birth and kind of mm-hmm. watch how they respond to that, how they react to that and kind of asking them, I mean, you know, everybody goes in with the questions like, oh, what are your C-section rates and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, that's good to know, but it's also not super reflective of anything because those births are not your birth and you don't know what their high risk stats are and everything that's feeding into that. So I don't think that like C-section rates are necessarily the biggest question you should be asking, but you should just be seeing how they support you, how they interact with you. And when you talk to them, do they show you respect? I mean, 
I went into my VBAC with a lot of questions about like, okay, so do you have this limit, that limit, blah, blah, blah. And when they were like, and this is why education is so important because mm-hmm. I had asked about, okay, um, so what if I don't go into labor by my due date? And it was like, oh, we'll schedule, schedule your C-section. And I was like, well, why can't I be induced? And they were like, well, we don't really do that. And I was like, but ACOG approves it. <laughs> and I like handed her the ACOG VBAC guidelines. And she's like, well, since you knew to ask, we can do that for you. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. I should have to be that educated on it in order to have my options. But the fact that when I said, this is what I want and this is what we are going to do, she was like, okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a debate that showed me that, okay, I don't necessarily agree with how you guys are running things as standard practice, but you're willing to be flexible and work with me. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, that is good. So at the top of your, your roadmap, you put your support team. Right. What should come next or what, how would you formulate that? So I always recommend basically organizing your roadmap or your birth plan, whatever you want to call it, at, like in chronological order of what we expect labor to go through. Early labor, active labor, transition, pushing, postpartum, because you don't want to skip steps and there's going to be certain things that you want to think about at different stages of labor. So I think it's really important to do that and go by stage of labor. But in doing that, I think it's important to understand the stages of labor. So this is another reason why birth plans are so important because as you go through each stage of labor and learn about all your different options, you're learning about all your options. Mm -hmm. Like, I created a workbook for my birth plan workshop and it's like 15 pages long. And I'm like, guys, this is not the birth plan you're going to walk in with birth plan. Like this is what you're just working through your thoughts, working through each stage of labor and understanding each of your options and writing it out. That's the long one. And then you can either pare it down real short to the things that are important to you or just have it in your head and have really good communication. Like, You don't even have to walk in and hand your birth plan to anybody if you don't want to. You just have to have that communication. The birth plan really is about like just educating yourself, learning what you want, and then learning when you might change your mind on those decisions. Yeah, that's so good. I love that because it really does. When you break things down and you start saying, well, wouldn't I want to push on my back? You're going to learn the reasons why you have the option to stand and push or you have the option to squat and push, you know, and with so many different things, you have options, but if you don't educate yourself on those, you're never going to know what you could or couldn't do. And then you don't have the power that you could and experience the freedom to do what your body is wanting you to do because in your head, you're just, well, you know, I need to just do what my provider tells me to, or this is standard. So I'm just going to do this policy. Yeah. Policy procedure. Oh my goodness. All of that. (laughs) Yeah. So education is so important and birth plan uh, or your roadmap is a very helpful tool to break things down um, and learn that. So yes. 
So let's talk about length of the birth plan. How long? You said you have a 15-page one. Do, how, how do your clients work through that? What does that typically look like for them? Yeah. So this, I mean, this is going through like all of the questions of like, this is a common intervention. What are the pros? What are the cons? When would I want it? When would I not want it? Basically. And it prompts them to use the BRAIN acronym, the mm-hmm. benefits, risks, alternatives, intuition, um, or do nothing. I say now or never, because I think that's a little more of a conversation mm-hmm. starter. But, and it prompts, so it prompts them to like go through that with each decision. That way they can actually have these conversations during their pregnancy. And then they can kind of, you know, make notes of like, okay, which ones seem to be totally like, that's how they operate anyway. We don't need to like, even stand our ground on that. And this is something we might need to fight for more. And then once you have those conversations during your pregnancy and you figure out what you really need to highlight is important to you, then you can really just focus your birth plan around those things instead of like, I don't want to say boring everybody, but boring everybody with the things they already know. So if your practice automatically does skin to skin for an hour for everybody, then you don't need to add that to your birth plan. Right going to happen. Like everybody knows everybody's on the same page, but if you're very, very adamant that nobody asks you about if you want pain medication and you're the one to ask, then you need to put that. So does that answer your question? Yeah, I know that is, yeah, that's super helpful. Um, I love the brain acronym because it does, it helps you break things down and to think more clearly about, you know, the pros and cons of choosing something. And like you were saying, it helps with conversations. And those are important to have during pregnancy. You don't want to be making big decisions during your labor because that's your time to go to labor land and escape and go into a different dimension and come back. Yeah. And you cannot make rational decisions during labor. So that is why having a doula is nice as well. Just in case your, your birth plan does change slightly, you know, like she can be there to help guide and bring you back and then help you get back into laboring and just adjust. So can you talk about how birth plans help you as a doula know how to support your, your clients? Yeah. So I think this is a really good question because one thing I talk about a lot with my clients is, I mean, obviously we work on their birth plans together and many of my clients are like, they their goal is to go medication-free for as long as possible. Some of them are very adamant that they do not want an epidural at all. And some of them are very like, I'm open to it maybe, but I really, really, really want to try to go without it. So one of the things we talk about when we're talking about their birth plan is like, how serious are you about not wanting an epidural? Under what circumstances would you want one? And then we kind of talk about how different stages of labor are going to affect them mentally so we can prepare for that. And that's why I talk about doing your birth plan through the stages of labor too, because early labor, most people are going to get through early labor fine. Mm-hmm. Active labor starts to pick up. This is where you might start considering an epidural. If you've made it through active labor without an epidural, when you get to transition, even if you are nowhere near an epidural in an out-of-hospital birth, you're probably going to ask for an epidural at some point. <laughs> you're experienced and you know this is just transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. So once you get to, once you understand how your brain operates, 
in certain parts of labor, we can talk about how to approach your birth plan changing during those parts of labor. So if I know that you're in transition and you're telling me, you know, I need an epidural right now. And I'm like, I'm not going to ask you, well, are you sure? Because you're going to be like, what did I just say? Like, yeah, like this is hard. But if I, if we've already had this conversation and I know you're very dedicated to not having the epidural and I know that you're going to be really frustrated with yourself that you got it, then I'm going to say like, I'm going to know to say something along the lines of, okay, so maybe we try and get through three more contractions mm -hmm. and then we'll try this other technique and talk about it again. And usually that'll kind of like bring them into like, okay, we're going to focus on the short term because you're asking for that epidural at that point. Cause you're like, wow, I've been doing this for 10 hours. I can't do it this intense for another 10 hours. I, I need the break. What you don't realize is it might only be another 10 minutes at that point. Right. Yeah. And especially so, during transition too, it's such a short part of your labor for most women. And yeah, I've done that as well. I've had someone say, I, I really want an epidural. Can I just get an epidural? And I said, you know, how about let's wait one more hour and see where we're at and we can do some things then and, and let's talk about it then. Cause I knew, you know, you're, you're in transition, you're almost done. You're going to have a baby so soon. So that is a very helpful thing to know when your clients are very dedicated and would love to do this and what stage they're at. And that's again, why a lot of women, they don't know where they're at in their labor. They just know that it's hard <laughs> and having someone there holding space and just keeping an eye on you can feel very comforting and very helpful. So. Yes. And I mean, just a testament to that whole concept. Also, I had a client who was very adamant. She didn't want Pitocin and they kept like suggesting Pitocin, but because we had like worked through this birth plan, we knew we had like other options. And even though we had had this whole like brain conversation with the provider, they were very much pushing this Pitocin nurse came in like, okay, I'm going to bring your Pitocin in now. And my client like looked at me like, what? And I just kind of gave her that nod. Like it's your birth. Like, you know what your plan is. Do what, you need to do. If that's get the Pitocin, get the Pitocin. If it's not, you don't have to. And she looks at me and she looks at the nurse and she's like, like she's in the middle of a contraction. She roars, I did not consent. <gasps> and it was the best moment. <laughs> like, wow, we did this prep really well. Because like, <laughs> that's when I talk about the birth plan, like, I feel like I'm tying so many other things into it. And most people who haven't been there are probably like, how does this relate? Like your birth plan teaches you how to advocate for yourself. Yes. yes. gives you everything. Like I just use the birth plan as a guide of everything. Oh, that is so good. And I do, I, it was so encouraging to me. So many of my clients have really embrace that self-advocacy because again, like doulas aren't there to save you. We're here to guide you and, and to walk alongside of you so you can find your power, your, your inner strength to mm -hmm. go through this experience and your advocacy because we know you are strong. Sometimes you just need a little bit of encouragement to, you know, yeah. unveil that. So well, and it can be intimidating having like all this hospital staff and just having a doula is just somebody who's kind of there to remind you, like you answer to yourself. Mm you answer to yourself. And that's 
this might be a controversial thing to say, but that's why I'm not super supportive of the hospital doula programs because they answer the hospital. And I don't think it provides the same comfort level. And I mean, they can, don't get me wrong. Like they can be very valuable, but I don't think it provides the same comfort level as somebody who has literally sat there and worked through your birth plans with you Mm -hmm. and knows you and is able to say, okay, so I know this is a concern of yours. How are we going to address that so that we can get past this? Yeah. Well, because I mean, when you, when you hire a doula, a private doula, they're contracted to you. So they answer to you. We work for you. Whereas when you hire a doula or the doula comes alongside, however, the volunteer works, you know, it can be great for women who can't afford to have a doula work. There are benefits, but you do have to remember that they, they're contracted by the hospital. And so ultimately the hospital is their boss. And so that can get a little messy. And it's as long as you know that, and as long as you're ready to advocate for yourself, then go for it. But yeah, you bring up a very good point of And I mean, just as a testament to that, I worked with a midwife one time. Well, I was working with a family and the midwife basically pulled me aside and was like, you need to convince her to do what I'm telling her. And I'm like, no, that's not my job. Mm -hmm. And if you have a hospital doula, they're not going to like, they're not going to push back that way. I'm not there to fight with the providers, but if they're going to start asking me to step out of line for them, I'm going to be like, absolutely not. Yeah, we're not a tool to help convince or to coerce or we're, that's not our job. Our job is to support the mom, whatever she wants. And I think that again, goes back to the self-advocacy. I've had many clients who, you know, their birth plan roadmap didn't go exactly the way that they had planned, but they still felt empowered because they had learned how to advocate for themselves during that process, during the pregnancy, during the learning process. And so I think they're invaluable. And I love the idea and the concept of a roadmap because you can still feel empowered when you get to the end, mm-hmm. as long as you're the one in the driver's seat. I truly that, Honestly, that's how I feel about my first VBAC because I wanted to go unmedicated. It was a 36 hour labor. I got an epidural at 33 hours and I was totally okay with that because nobody pushed anything on me we just had a conversation and I was like, you know what? Like, this is the point where the plan is going to change. And I'm okay with that because I'm making that decision. It's mm-hmm. not being pushed on me. The, honestly, the OB came in and she didn't even say anything about an epidural. She was just like, we're getting to a point where I think like a low dose of Pitocin might be beneficial. How do you feel about that? And I said, I feel like I need an epidural first. <laughs> like, yeah. And that was totally my choice. We, ha- we had a conversation. Okay. Things are going to go a little different than how I planned, but it was a respectful conversation where I was making that decision versus being like, well, I guess if that's what you say, but I don't really know if that's what I need or want. Like, yeah. Oh, it makes a huge difference. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on and sharing your knowledge about this. I think it's a really important conversation to be having. And if people want to connect with you, work with you, where can they find you at? Thanks for having me. Um, I am on Instagram at Little Bear Birth Services and Facebook is Little Bear Birth Services. And I have a private Confident Mama Bears group on Facebook. 
So that's where you can find me. And my website is littlebearlactation.com. So I have like what I call the bear cave, which is a membership where it's kind of like Facebook, but it's like self-hosted. So it's where I'm just going to have a whole bunch of resources and that sounds great. I'll put all of those links in the description below so you guys can find those. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Ah, I love this conversation with Jamie and I hope you did too. Click on the links below. Give Jamie a follow on social media. Have you started your birth plan yet? Maybe the decisions seem a little too overwhelming and you don't even know where to start with the research. Well, I have something that may help. So go join our free private Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash empowered mamas tribe. Answer the three questions, including your email, and you're going to receive my full length birth plan to help you research your options. If you're still feeling unsure of what you want, maybe having trouble dreaming about your birth, processing your last birth experience, or have specific fears and questions to talk about, then schedule a birth planning session may be for you. My goal with these sessions is to help you match the expectations you have for your birth with the decisions you are making along the way. I'm also here to sit with you and dream with you and be that sister who will listen and not judge, but guide you to a blissful birth. You can reserve your spot now by going to bit.ly slash birth prep session and signing up right there on the site. See you next time and stay empowered. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm so excited to have you a part of the movement. And if you haven't joined our private Facebook tribe yet, go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash empowered mamas tribe. We would love to have you there and a part of our community. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast.